You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hey, and welcome to this week's podcast. This week, you're going to hear a conversation that I had with a lady called Jerrica Burge. And Jerrica, she authored a study that was called Intergenerational Transmission of Parent Encouragement to Diet from Adolescence to Adulthood, which is looking at how parents encouraging a child to diet then sort of influences that child's dieting behavior and then also that child's own tendency to encourage their children to diet. So that piqued my interest. I thought that that was a pretty relevant and fascinating study to be involved in. So I asked Jerrica if she would come and talk to me about it. Here's our conversation. First question that I asked Jerrica Burge is to tell us a little bit about herself. Here is Dr. Burge. So I am a professor at the University of Minnesota Medical School, and I'm both a clinician and a researcher. So I work in family medicine or primary care clinics where I work with families around eating issues as well as mental health issues. And then my research also is similar where I I go into families' homes and through schools, through medical clinics, and lots of different ways to get to families and to understand more about the home environment around eating, physical activity, and child health. Okay. And how did that lead you to the most sort of um, recent research or the study that we were going to talk about today? Yeah. So this study that this um, research paper is from, it's called Project EAT. And this is a study that's been a longitudinal study for over 15 years. And it stands for Eating and Activity Among Teens. And this is a study in which we were following kids from when they were in middle school up until now in their late 20s and early 30s, and wanting to understand all the different factors that have to do with how they turn out related to weight and their weight related behaviors. And so we asked questions around what are the things that influence their weight? And one of them that we know is important is this idea of weight talk or being told to go on a diet. And so we have studied that over these last 15 years to see how that influences adolescents' weight and weight-related behaviors as they become adults. And so that was really the inspiration, as well as what we hear in clinic when parents and kids talk to us about frustrations with, you know, what do parents do to help their kids? Is it better to just tell them to go on a diet? Is it better to talk about their weight directly? Or parents wonder, is there a better way to do it? And so that's really where our research came from is what really should parents say? And what can the actual effect be? How negative, um, you know, focusing on diet or weight, what really is the negative impact on kids when we do that? First thing I want to ask you, because you just said you mentioned the name, the word negative, is Before we get into what the negative impact was, which I would imagine there are many, were there uh, there any any positive impacts about talking to kids about diet and weight? Well, so when, when we look at this, we really try to flesh out what are the words parents are saying and does that matter, right? So some of our other research that we have been doing all along is addressing what you're saying, like how nuanced do we have to be? Can we not say the word weight or diet or, you know, call out specific body parts, right? Stomachs or, you know, your, your legs are, are looking heavy, whatever. Is that matter or is it, can you say other things that will help kids be able to manage weight? And so 
what we're really finding is that the more you focus on identifying specific body parts or weight itself or diet, some of these things that make people feel ashamed or feel like there's something wrong with them, that tends to be the ones we're finding are associated with them being more likely to do unhealthy weight control behaviors from, you know, binging and purging to having actual disordered eating. Whereas if you focus more on the health promoting things, such as we want to eat healthy so we have strong muscles and bones and our body can perform at its best. If you take it that direction, we are finding that actually they are not kids are not more likely to be unhealthy as far as weight or do unhealthy weight control behaviors. So it's it's nuanced. I mean, just even the way in which you talk to kids about their body shape and size, um, focused on health rather than you know these negative, more negative factors seems to make a difference. And, you know, we find that consistently in this more recent paper we just did. The reason we did that is just to see longitudinally, are these consequences held over time? Do we know that, you know, the effect of parents talking to their kids this way um, actually holds into the when they're adults? And that's really what this paper did is we already kind of knew that it was bad and that it caused problems for kids kind of immediately in this more snapshot cross-sectional look at our data, but we really wanted to see like, does this carry forward as adults? And then second question was, do they then pass this on, these, this language about dieting to their own kids? So um, another question that I had in there was then, because I was just trying to think back to my own childhood, and I, I don't think that the word weight or body focus, that just wasn't even a part of our household, which is great, I guess. Um, how common is it and, and what percentage did you find that there wasn't enough of that talk to even sort of make it worth following that? Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's actually quite common and prevalent. So in, in our past studies and then also other people who have looked at this, other researchers, we see like over half of the kids are experiencing some kind of weight talk from, and it's been looked at in many ways from their parents, weight teasing from peers, siblings. So it's been looked at in several different studies and it's pretty common. And that's why the concern is like, how much effect does it has? Does it have on kids? What really does it do to them over time? Great, wow, interesting. I was lucky then, wasn't I? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so, so what did you find? So in this study, we were looking at adolescents and at that time, were their parents telling them to go on a diet? So at you know ages 12 to 18-ish, we have a pretty good span. It was our middle school and high school kids in the United States. And if they had their kids, you know, if they if their parents talked to them about dieting at adolescence, we wanted to know as their adults, 15 years later, you know, late 20s, early 30s, are there associations with these unhealthy weight control behaviors? Are they more likely to be overweight or obese? And what about body satisfaction, some of these other factors, these social factors? So what we did, in fact, find is that kids who had parents tell them to go on diets at this younger age and adolescence, they were more likely to be overweight and obese, more likely to engage in these unhealthy weight control behaviors, which include the disordered eating behaviors that are concerning, like the binging and purging, smoking cigarettes to lose weight, um, diuretics, taking diet pills, etc., to then and also to diet. Um, and then in addition, they had lower body satisfaction compared to those kids whose parents didn't tell them to diet in adolescence. So that was the main finding. And then we took it a step further and said, does this become a cycle? Do kids who had parents tell them to diet as adolescents, as adults, then do that with their own children? And so what we did find, in fact, was that those kids who had had parents tell them to go on a diet when they were adolescents, now as parents, were more likely to also tell their own children 
to diet. And so we're just concerned that there's this generational um, passing on of a cycle that could potentially then, you know, you didn't realize it's going to affect your own children, but now your grandchildren and maybe your great grandchildren. It's one of those cycles that we want to just pay attention to and try to find ways to intervene so that it doesn't continue to get passed on. It's just what we what we learn from our own parents when people are parents. That's just kind of just probably comes back and it's the way that they are and, and how they think it's normal to talk about these things. It's normal to talk about weight. It's normal to say, you know, you should eat, be eating low fat or whatever. That's normal to them. And so... Definitely. I, I think it's just one of those things that you carry forward, not necessarily um, in a bad or, you know, in a way that's intentional to do your ch children harm. And no one's doing that on purpose. It's just what you, you learn and you model. Yeah. And diet culture is, is so normalized. It's, it's incredible, actually, how normalized it is um, when you consider that there isn't a lot of evidence to show that dieting does anything for people in a positive respect. Yet it's so normalized in our culture that most people just act as if, say, having skimmed milk rather than whole milk is just what you should do. They don't even think about it. Yeah, I mean, it, you mentioned that um, there's results that show that dieting, in fact, doesn't always do what we intend it to do. With this same study, um, some other researchers on our team looked at that and found that the, the adolescents who did diet all along these 15 years were more likely to be heavier actually over time. And dieting just doesn't maybe do what we're hoping it will do. Right. Because the body's way smarter than that, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. like, right. oh, oh, I keep on like getting less food, so I better store more. Yeah, there's yeah, there's lots of evidence to kind of show why that happens with restriction and then wanting to yeah. to binge, right? And I, I did a podcast with Maggie Westwater who did the state of science sugar addiction. Oh sure. And they they showed that sugar addiction isn't really sugar addiction. It's that pe when people restrict sugary foods, they then want more of it, and they then sure. tend to overconsume in um, inverted commas sugary yeah. foods, which is again we're we're so used to being told to restrict, to not eat. And then it's sort of coming out though, oh, actually, that probably makes, does the opposite of what we think it's going to do. And it sounds like your research shows a very similar thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think you're, we're looking at, especially with children, again, we talked earlier how parents wanna do something, right? We, we hear about the obesity epidemic around us all over the place and parents feel inclined that they should help their kids, which is normal and we want to do that. And yeah. so it, for us, our message is trying to say, it's not that you don't, you ignore it and you don't care about it. It's that the, your words have power and how to use them in a way that will do how you intend them to do, right? Like that the outcome will match what you're hoping. Did you look at much um, um, uh, the words people use to say how a, a parent talks about their own body, not even their child's body, and, and how that might affect the way a child sees or yeah. has a relationship with their, their own body? So we did have some measures asking about if parents talked about their own bodies or other people's bodies, so strangers' bodies, their own bodies, fam people in the family or family members talking about um, weight. And so this, this study also did show that the home environment was more likely to then also have all those other factors going on. So parents talking about their own weight, talking about strangers' weight, talking about other family members' weights. So as they move forward into adulthood, their, their home environment just had more overall um, conversations about your own weight, other people's weight, etc. So you're modeling weight talk 
in all levels of your life, right? So in your home, outside of your home, et cetera. So we did, we did see that as well. Did you see or observe anything that sort of shows that, okay, so maybe you did have a parent that overly focused on weight, had that influence. Then have, have you seen any evidence of people being able to turn that around in their lifetime and get, get over that, so yeah. to speak? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And that's, that's actually some of the research we're stepping into next is figuring out can that influence be, you know, reversed or ameliorated, right? We, we um, think that's really important. So if parents kind of catch themselves in this cycle and want to reverse it, will it work? So we haven't, we don't have data on that yet, but that is another area in, in which I'm interested in that we're kind of going next is to figure out, well, can it, can it be reversed? And my guess would probably be yes. I think that as you now hear supportive language or um, more this health promotion focused language that, you know, we're adaptable, our behaviors are adaptable. And so uh, my guess is that yes, it'll play out that it can, it can, ha- it can turn around. Yeah, it just takes that effort, doesn't it? It's going to take that attention on it and that focus on it. But I think that's this this sort of research that you're doing, though, is is giving people the tools to do that, to recognize that this does need to be paid attention to and this does have ne- negative consequences. And it just isn't okay to say things like that about people's bodies. And Right. Yeah, I mean, there is a big you know weight-shaming movement that's going on. And so I think this goes along with that, that what are the things we can say instead? I mean, I think we want to give parents tools. They really do care about their children and want to help them to be as healthy as possible. So what are the things we can do? And and you're right, that is really try, is, try, is what we're trying to do with our message is figure out, well, what could they say or what could they do? And we do have, you know, enough evidence, at least with our sample that we looked at, that it did matter that if they focused more on these kind of conversations about health and eating healthy for your strength of your body and to perform at its best, those really did matter. And, and when you compare them to parents who talked about weight or focused on a child's body or shape or size, mm-hmm. um, the parents who actually did the health promoting you know, conversations did have kids that were healthier overall as far as our measures of you know, weight mm-hmm. and health mm-hmm. control behaviors, et cetera. So it seems to me that is a path in which parents can go, that it is important. You want to help your kids. You want to do your best. And one way is to really focus on these healthy conversations and not these weight-focused conversations. Right. I'm not a parent, so this is not something that I've thought about extensively. But I do see um, other parents and especially sort of health at at every size, positive dietitians and therapists who are also parents just saying, well, you know what, do nothing because your child's body, your child will work it out, will work out this relationship with food and maybe they'll do that better if you don't interfere at all or give them the idea that some foods are good, some foods are bad or give them the idea that having, being in a larger body is a bad thing because people come in all different shapes and sizes and we aren't all supposed to look the same. So I hear, I hear that argument coming through a little bit more strongly um, this last year. Yeah, I, I, have, I have also heard that. I think it's kind of a continuum, right? You can be on the end of do nothing and on the other side where it's do too much as far as kind of hovering and being in your kid's face all the time. And there's probably some happy medium in there, you know, that is a sweet spot, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think, though, that the, the influence of the world and the media and everything around us is like, do, do something to change yourself. And so... I, I quite like the the balance that do nothing brings into this conversation and just like, you know what, you're fine. 
you're beautiful, you're, you're perfect. Um, but I think that it's, it's important also, as you've said, that people understand that there is a negative effect of drawing attention too much to people's weight and especially with children and maybe inadvertently, maybe parents aren't talking about their children's weight, but they're talking about their own bodies and sure. people notice, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned though that you're also doing more research and you're looking into if these negative effects can be reversed in a sense. Yeah. Or changed. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it would be interesting to know if, you know, if you change, if it's been, you know, you started out that way, maybe because your own parents did that with you. And so you're just kind of modeling what you saw. If in fact you stop, right. And you catch yourself in this cycle, there's a lot of self-reflection and, and, and intentional behaviors you'd have to do to do this, right. You can't, it's not as simple as we're saying, but um, if you can catch yourself in that cycle and change, change course, um, can that in fact then help kids be healthy again. And, and I think with the data that we have, that it's possible to do that because we have them over 15 years and we can measure across the time points if parents stopped or started with telling their kids to diet and figure out if in fact then their kids were at less risk for obesity and these unhealthy weight control behaviors. Um, and I think that that must be quite a um, big moment for many parents. And they're kind of like looking at their relationship with their own body and their thoughts around their own weight and kind of like being like, oh yeah, <laughs> there's some work to do here. <laughs> it does bring up a lot, right, for yourself when you're thinking about your own kid and then you self-reflect on what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you got there. And Yeah, definitely. Big thank you to Dr. Birch for taking the time to come and talk to me today. Well, I thought that was interesting that um, diet behavior, diet talk, and possibly body dissatisfaction Breeds, diet talk, and possibly body dissatisfaction. Yeah, these things matter. I think this is an important study. I'm looking forward to hearing more as to, you know, the studies that she spoke about that are ongoing right now as to whether this can be changed, reversed. I'm sure it can with enough work. <laughs> and um, I think that the more people that are trying to change this culture, the better. Thanks for listening. Cheers, and until next time, cheerio.